we lived on a Christian school's campus. Heidi worked for the school. She was uh, in charge of the uh, uh, admissions department. And so we lived in the this, this staff housing, which was kind of cool. We lived in the ghetto of Dallas, um, and it was, and, and, but it was kind of this big community. And we would take our son. He went to preschool there, he, you know, all the different things. And we'd be walking around the campus with him, and people would see us, and they would say, hey, Max. And we would, oh, you know, I don't know who they're talking to, but okay, whatever. One day we were walking into our apartment complex, and the maintenance man stops us and says, hey, Max, how's it going today? And, and we just couldn't contain ourselves any longer. And we said, hey, who are you talking to? And he goes, to Max, as, I'm holding, as we're holding our son's hand. And I said, his name isn't Max, it's Kelton. And he says, well, for six months, he's been telling me his name is Max Steele, which was the name of this action cartoon guy on television. So everybody at Christ for the Nations knew him as Max Steele. My son had a tad bit of an identity crisis, apparently, at the age of three. Uh, kind of an interesting piece. This new sermon series we're going to be talking about is called Living Above the Fray. And it's based on, on the book of Daniel. It's based on Daniel's life and the challenges that he faced. And the first challenge that we see when we look at Daniel chapter 1 is that Daniel faces this identity challenge. Much like my son, who thought he was Max Steele. Parents, just a side note, do not buy all of the toys of, of the cartoon character because they might adopt their personality. And so today we're going to look at that. So we're going to turn, if you have your Bibles, turn to Daniel 1, verse 18 through 17. It's a little bit of a long, but it's really a good, it's really, really good. So let's, uh, I'm going to jump in. Is everybody okay with that? Are we ready? Okay. It says, but Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. Now God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel. But he responded, I am afraid of my lord the king who has ordered that you eat this food and wine. If you become pale and thin compared to the other youths your age, I am afraid the king will behead me. Now, I find this kind of funny, because that's the chief of staff, who Daniel's went to, said that. Now, this next verse, I think, is really funny. Daniel just went and spoke with the attendant. So he went down the chain. He just said, I'll go to somebody else. And he says, who had been appointed by the chief of staff to look after Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And he said, please test us for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water. And Daniel said, at the end of these t at the 10 days, see how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the king's food. And then make your decision in light of what you see. And the attendant to Daniel's, agreed to Daniel's suggestion and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better and nourished than the young men who had been eating the food assigned by the king. So after that, the attendant let, fed them only vegetables instead of the food and the wine provided for the others. Now, these are really important words right here, these next two. God gave. 
these four young men, an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom, and God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meanings of the visions. So as I said before, we're starting this new series called Living Above the Fray. It's going to be the next few weeks, and it's going to be talking about how do we live above the chaos and all the craziness on everything else that's happening in the world. How do we do it? We're going to learn to lean on God in this one as we're completely pulled. Now, unfortunately, I'm a storyteller, so I love the book of Daniel. But there's a little bit of history behind me loving the book of Daniel. So please do not tell my senior pastor from my teenage years. So when he would preach, and I would get a little bit bored, guess what book I would go to? I would go to the book of Daniel because, you know, there's Daniel in the lion's den, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I'd be like, hey, it's like the action piece of it. And I would read that. And I'd be like, yeah. yeah I probably said a few amens at the wrong time in my youth. So I'm going to help you all out today. I've already brought you to Daniel. So if you're bored, young people, if you get bored today, you're already in the right book. Okay, so you don't even have to, you don't even have to flip pages today for it. This week, I read an article about a politician. And I won't name the politician. Maybe some of you have read it, so you'll know. And they were upset because they were not administered communion at their church recently because of their stance on abortion. And they were upset. I mean, they railed. They wanted this bishop, and so I believe it's Catholic faith. They wanted this bishop to be in trouble for what they believed, for standing up for their rights, for standing up for, for what their identity said about them. The politician wanted them to change who they were. So, well, you, we should just soften. You'll, be, you'll do better with people. You'll have more people come in. You'll have, if you just change your identity a little bit. They wanted them to change their identity in Christ to fit what was best for that politician. They wanted what they they wanted what the polit, what the what the, the clergy had, but they wanted it their way. Kind of crazy, right? I think Christians we face that more and more and more today, as the world tries to mold us and take our faith from us and give us a new identity, much like Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel, who who were plucked from Judah and brought to Babylon. We're told, don't hold on to your convictions, lest it offend someone. Right? Change who you are for the betterment of the world, is what they would say. And today, though, we're going to look at Daniel and how he stood above that fray and how he maintained his identity, even when the world tried to change him. So, most of you, you've been around here when I've preached a few times or taught. How many points do I have? Three. Oh, I love my, I love my finger pointers. They just they don't even look up at me, just three. All right, so if you're a note taker, here is our first point today. We must live in this world, but we don't have to be a part of it. Oh, that seems so easy. But here's what we see today. We see Daniel, who's ripped. I just mentioned that. He, he and his three friends, they're ripped from Judah. They're ripped from their heritage. They're ripped from their homeland, and they're stuck in another place. And then as a Jew, his identity was being challenged by the Babylonians. Now, they were trying to force their customs, their food, their clothing, their names on he and his friends. And they wanted him to forget his identity. 
That's really what they wanted him to do, is forget who he was. They wanted him to forget his heritage, his birthright, if you will. This story could be familiar to some of you. Many of you are thinking, wait a minute, I'm not a foreigner. I've lived on the east side all my life. Or I'm an Iowan and I've lived in Iowa all my life. Or I'm a United States citizen. I'm not a foreigner. I would argue that as children of God, we are foreigners. This is not our home. 1 Peter 2.11 says, Dear friends, I want you to... I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. So who are you again? You're foreigners. I was hoping nobody said East Sider. That went well. Guys, as followers of Christ, as children of God, we are different. We are foreigners to the world. They can't understand it. They can't get it. They can't walk in it. Because they're in a world of sin. See, the world, they see that we're different, guys. And and they want it. They just don't understand it. They totally want what you have. You are a desired commodity. Wow, think about that. See, I want you to go back into the history piece a little bit. The Babylonians didn't just go conquer Judah for no reason. Why would you conquer a land for no reason? They saw what was there, and they wanted it. See, as Christians, people see what we have. They see the goodness of God living in you, and they want it. They just don't understand how to get it. See, they saw God's favor. Babylonians, King Nebuchadnezzar, he saw the favor of the Jews upon the land. He saw the riches of the temple. Because just a few verses earlier, he says, one of the things that he says is God allowed him to take from the temple. Because that's what they saw. That's what they wanted. They wanted the wisdom of these young men. There was a reason they were picked. They weren't dummies. They were wise. They were good looking, it says. And they wanted the same. They wanted that. They tried to duplicate it. If you look at the, how the temple, they, Nebuchadnezzar had his own wise men. If you read into chapter 2, he had his own wise men. He had all of this other stuff. And they were just fakes. There wasn't anything genuine because the world tries to duplicate who we are. And they can't. All they can come up with is maybe a good fake. That's all they can take from it. But really, that's what the world wants, is they want a bunch of fakes out there. They want us to change what we are. They want us to become, if I will, lukewarm Christians. They want to change our identity. They want to have what they want to have. That politician wanted her moment to be seen taking the communion cup, but she also wanted to have her stances, and she wanted to have her own way. See, the world will constantly try to infiltrate our identity, and they try to dilute what you are and who you are. Come on. All of a sudden, sin's okay. This little sin's okay. That little bit's all right. Always starts with just a little, right? 
just starts with a little. If we just let it in just a little bit. How many of you notice this part? The Babylonians even wanted to change Daniel's name. The name of Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. In fact, they might have even succeeded a little bit, because how do you all know his three friends as? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Sounds familiar, though, because people will tell you that Christians were outdated, that we're hateful, we're prejudiced, we're bigots, because they don't know us. It's their way of changing us. They want to steal the identity of who we are and who we belong to. I'm going to ask you a hard question. It's a rhetorical, so don't, do not put your hands up this time. Don't do it. Don, do not put your hand up. How many of you have ever hesitated to say that you're a Christian or you're a follower of Christ and you've watered it down, you've diluted your identity and said, well, I'm, I'm a person of faith. I, I, I'm... I'm I'm, I'm, you know, I mean, I, I go to, I go, you know, go hang out on Sunday. You know, they've diluted it, and you're losing your identity. And that's exactly what the world wants from you. That's exactly what Satan is trying to do to infiltrate your identity of who you are. Come on. Who are you? Who are you? You have to know who your identity is in. I just heard a few whispers out there. It makes me nervous that there's a lot of people out here who don't know who they are. They don't know who they are. We have to be confident in our identity in Christ. first, But we have to first know who we are in Christ. Because there's a whole lot of people running around out here who have no idea who they are in Christ. How do we do that? I'm a practical guy. I, I am a practical. Two plus two still equals four. So how do we do it? We have to spend time learning who God is so that we can be a direct reflection of who he is. If you don't spend time with him, how do you know who he is? How do you know who you are? Daniel was studied, and he reflected God's characteristics, and that caused Nebuchadnezzar to want him in his presence. We have to surround ourselves with other strong believers. Look who who it says in that scripture Daniel went back to. Hezekiah. Israel, he went back to them and said, let's consult. Let me talk to you guys about this. Surrounding himself with other believers. Mm. We have to be in constant examination and reflection. That's a hard one for a lot of us. We don't like to look inward, do we? I don't like looking inward because sometimes I'm afraid of what I might see. But why is it important? Why is it important that we examine our reflection and making sure that our identity is rooted constantly in Christ? Scripture says the devil goes around like a roaring lion back and forth, right? Do you know why he goes back and forth? Do you know why a lion goes back and forth? Does anybody know? He's looking for the weak spot. He's looking for that piece of gate that's just bent just enough. He's looking for his way to get in. That's why we have to be in reflection. We have to be looking. We have to be constantly examining who we are so that we can see where we might be weak on attack, where our identity might get challenged. But yet, 
if we are reflecting, if we're studying, then we have to be ready for the challenge. Because Christians, if you're not getting challenged, I'm going to ask you to look again at your identity. Because Satan wants no part of you standing in your identity today. If you're not facing a challenge, you better get prepared to. You better get prepared to. 1 Peter 3, 15 and 16 says, it says you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. And then if people speak against you, they'll be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Look at the example Daniel has. He doesn't go harshly. He just speaks quietly and lets his actions, lets his identity in God speak for himself. He's more concerned with making sure that he's ready than with railing against. Mm. The answer we give, this goes back to our Sunday school class today, the answer we give and how we give it go hand in hand, and they don't work one without the other. Because if we don't have, if we're off-putting in our answer, if we're off-putting in who we are, then we betray our identity, don't we? You've got to know who you are or you'll have an identity crisis. And if you don't know who you are in God's eyes, well, let me help you this morning. Because I've, I've heard you all say child of God. But let me give you what that rolls into. I just jotted down a few things. Ellen's got, got them up there for me. Hopefully you can see them. If you can't, that's all right. First and foremost, you are a child of God. That's in John. In Romans, it says you're accepted. First Corinthians says you're united with God. Genesis 1, the very beginning, says you are made in the image of God. Jeremiah says you're set apart. You're special. He says, 1 Corinthians says you're part of a family. Come on. 1 Peter says you are chosen and you're not random. The world wants you to believe you're just some random happenstance that popped up out of the universe. You are not. You are chosen. He says you're a royal lineage and holy. You are not just the bottom of the barrel. You are of royal lineage and you are holy. First Peter again says you are special. This is the one that hit me so hard. First Corinthians 6 says that you're worth the price of Jesus' life. Come on, get that through your head. You are worth the price of Jesus' life. 1 John says that you're loved. For those of you who don't feel loved today, you are loved. Colossians says that you have been raised from death and given eternal life. And Ephesians 2 says that you were created by God and you are his handiwork. Well, that's an identity, isn't it? Come on, that's who you want to be. I don't want to be what the world tells me I am. They can't even figure out whether they're male, female, dog, cat. How many is 127 different pronouns right now, Heidi? Is that what it is? 127 different pronouns you can choose from. That's an identity crisis if you can't figure that out. Let me tell you, I got 14 things that I know exactly what I am. I know exactly who I am. And so should you. You should be able to stand 
in that qual those, quantity, those qualities, and you should identify with them above all else. Because let me tell you, I will not trade any of those 14 for anything the, word, the, the world can offer me. When we live out our God-given identity, we receive the blessing of God. Daniel shows us that. So when we stand in his identity, not ours, we are blessed. Blessing shouldn't be confused, though, with earthly blessing. We get so confused, and the word gets diluted, and that's where, that's where we talked about we lose our identity. Because when we hear the word blessing, what do we think? Cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. That's, that's not what God's talking about. That's not what he's talking about at all. He's talking about the blessing of his spirit. The earth, the, 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 the heavenly blessing, the wisdom. We see that in Daniel. He receives that, he and his friends, the ability to understand Favor. Those are the things that we see. But they're noticed by everyone else around. I got to tell you, there's a lot of people out there with money, and I got to tell you, I, I could really care less about being them. The people who draw me in are the people who show God's qualities in their lives. Isn't that who you're drawn to? That's who I'm drawn to. You are a child of the Almighty God, and you are blessed. And this has to be our attitude. We've got to get rid of it. You guys heard me say this a couple of weeks ago. We've got to get rid of this poverty attitude. So again, I'm not talking about money. We have to get rid of this poverty attitude. Because listen to this. You are not forgetting and you're forgotten, nor are you a second-class citizen. Deuteronomy 28.13 says this. It says, if you listen to these commands of the Lord your God I'm giving you today, if you carefully obey them, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. And you will always be on top and never at the bottom. Oh, I, I could take that promise because even when you're in the valley, when you're with him, when your identity is in him, you're still at the top of the mountain you're still at the top of the mountain because that's where he stands. This is a promise for us, for those who identify in Christ. Daniel stood on that, but he had to stand on it. He was challenged. The world threw some good things at him. The king threw the very best at him. And yet, he knew his identity Let me throw down a question for you. Been answered by many, many people. Decide who you are today. Know who you are. Uncompromised today. See God lead you and transform you into who you're supposed to be. In Joshua chapter 24, I love the story of Joshua chapter 24. Joshua realizes that the challenges have come. He's led the people into the promised land. He knows there's going to be more challenges. And he states clearly... That is, for him and his house, he'll serve the Lord. He says, I'll live in my God-given identity. Because he knows what's about to hit the, the, the country. I think God probably gave him a little bit of a, an idea of what was going to happen. As the world around Israel would begin to try to steal their identity, infiltrate them, begin to, to weaken their identity, to not know who they were. And that's why Joshua said very clearly, as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. I would encourage you to have that moment today. Dive in with both feet, just like Daniel. Daniel says, give me 10 days just to show you. 
Because my God is good. That's how much I promise. I'll dive in with both feet. That's the kind of God we serve, guys. That's the kind of God we serve. The word tells us that God lavishes his children. But he is a jealous God and he won't tolerate anything other than your best. He says if it's not your best and you're just lukewarm, he'll spit you out. It's time to rise up and live in our identity. Know who you are today. Some of you out there wonder, who in the world am I? You're still trying to figure it out. Today, I'm here to tell you that your identity is in Christ Jesus. Your strength is in Christ Jesus. Your living, your being, your all of the good things, but life in and of itself is in him. And it's uncompromisable. So we'll sum it up. We're going to sum it up. For all of your allotted days, you're going to live here. You're going to live on planet Earth. You're going to live there. But you are a citizen of heaven and part of God's family. And you always should keep that at the forefront of your mind. You have to know who God says you are. And if you don't know, I'm telling you, get in his word. Take those 14 verses I put up there for you and begin to study them. Begin to get them in your heart. Begin to to recognize. Because all this other stuff that we're all out here doing, when you see it, you're, what in the world? When you get those 14 things in your heart, you'll understand. You'll understand. You were created to find your identity in him and him only. That is why you have a world right now who has, is identitalist. That's why they can't figure out who they are. Because they were created to have a God identity. They were created to have a God identity, and there is a hole in their heart right now that can only be filled by that identity. When you know who you are, you'll be prepared for the challenge. You will be prepared for the challenge. And I'm going to leave you with a final promise. And when we live in him, when we find our identity in him, he blesses us. Even, in the, even when it seems bad, I'm blessed. He's good. So finally, there's only two closings for those who are counting. You have to choose today, just like Daniel, just like Joshua. Where will you find your identity? When will you be tired of not knowing who you are? I I can't imagine how exhausting that is. I can't imagine how exhausting it is not knowing who you are, not having an identity has to be exhausting. Let's bow our heads. Father, I just thank you today, God, for your word, for your your servant Daniel, Lord, who, who exemplified who you were. Lord, who found his identity in you, who gave his his all for you, who put you to the test and you still showed through. 
Father, I thank you for, for, for this word. God, I thank you for that example. Lord, I just pray right now, Lord, that you would reveal yourself to those who are sitting there right now, who are wondering, who are they? God, I pray that you would just show them who they are in you, that they would see that they're blessed and that they're loved and that they're your handiwork. God, I just pray right now that your spirit would fall upon them. If you're struggling today and you just don't know where you fit, if that's you, would you raise your hand? Would you be willing to raise your hand if you say, man, I just don't know where I fit. I'm so tired. Just so tired. I just want to belong. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Father, I just pray today, God, that you would, Lord, that you would cement your identity in your people today. God, Lord, that that you would cause each person here to walk out in strength and character, and they would find their place in you, Father. Lord, I just pray that you would have your way in their lives, God. Lord, I pray that you would keep each person here until we see each other again. Father, I just pray for blessing upon your people. Lord, I pray for favor upon them. Lord, I pray right now that your word that says they would be the head and not the tail. Lord, that they would always be on the top and not the bottom. Father, I pray for your Holy Spirit to just overwhelm and overcome. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.